0: This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men In Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! It's Rog. It's Monday. Which means we made it through the weekend, another weekend, without John Stones, Dejan Lovren, and perhaps hardest of all, Fred. Oh, Arsenal fans... I know what you're thinking. Good weekend, right? Any weekend without Arsenal defeat is like a win. So in that spirit, let's do this. WGFOP, The Bald. Yes, you are listening to WGFOP, The Bald. And yes, we have a new sting. Courtesy of GFOP, the great Trey Jones. Oh Trey, I love this. The crap cat meows. They're chef's kiss. And if you're listening, and you too are musically inclined, and you've got a voice, you've got a keyboard, you've got a guitar or oh, banjo. Bite your arm off for a banjo sting. Whatever. Send us your stings for WGFOP the Bald and we'll play them on this show. Hashtag StingLife. Oh yeah. This is Chat Shit Get Answered, the show where you ask the big, important questions of the day. Those relating to football, or less importantly, to the world outside of the football, call in at 646-450-9472, leave us a message, your big, burning question, yes, 646-450-9472, and we will answer them. Producer Jonah, let's hear that sting one more time and do this WGFOP the
1: ball Hey Rog, it's Marty coming to you from Columbus, Ohio Uh, Go Crew, Go Bucks. What would be the Premier League equivalent of a Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots to sign for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
0: And on a related note
1: Hey Rog, English Bob calling from Southern Louisiana. I have him Glazer family question for you. What happens first? Tampa Bay win a Super Bowl or Man United win the Premier
0: League? Oh, Tom Brady, I know you're listening. You to Tampa Bay, the great Buccaneers. bit like Frank Lampard to Manchester City. A long-time team legend at another club. Playing out his days in a setting in a colour that just feels wrong. I mean, you could make the case. It's like Wayne Rooney to Derby County. Or even worse, Wayne Rooney to Everton. Oh, English Bob asks, who will win a title first in Glazer Town? Tampa Bay Super Bowl or Man United back on their Premier League pitch? I know that's a trick question and I'm not going to fall for it. Buccaneers gonna Buccaneer. And you know, Ed Woodward runs Manchester United. So the right answer? Everton winning the Premier League, right? Come on, you blues. By the way, quick NFL aside, happiest I've been this weekend? Oh, thinking about Nick Foles and my Bears. Mitch Trubisky to Seattle Dragons in three, two, one. Next question, please. Professor?
1: Hi, Rog. This is Stephen from Norman, Oklahoma. I'm a Manchester United fan, and I watched the Clock, the Promise special yesterday. And I had to pause it halfway through because I was so overwhelmed with emotion seeing Premier League footage and, and all these games that I've watched with my friends over the years. And even though the special is about Liverpool, it's about this collective experience that we've all had. And I just started crying and crying. And one of my roommates walked in and she didn't know what to do seeing me with tears streaming down my face. So he just turned around and walked back. But I, I make my living working in sports television and professional and college sports here in the United States. So it, the, the loss of sports and normalcy is, has affected me on the deepest way possible. But it was so beautiful to see the uh, that special. So thank you for the sacrifice you made as an Evertonian to narrate that incredible special and give us some football this
0: weekend. Oh, hello, Steve. Hello, Norman, Oklahoma. Thanks for your kind words about the film, Klopp's Promise which ran on TV Saturday and Sunday. I have to say, it was a real team effort. NBC Sports went above and beyond, worked so hard, the NBC staff, to get this one over the line. I actually taped my final voiceover on an iPhone in my wife's closet on Thursday. The film is now up on YouTube, and I would encourage all of you to watch it and to share it. It's an incredibly... Uplifting film. We all need more Jurgen Klopp spirit in our lives right now. Joyous tenacity, collective belief, strategy, fused with optimism and passion. A motto kind of together, anything is possible. Who can't believe in that right now? And I'll say reliving the Liverpool story, beginning with post Broge Liverpool... Preferred them to be honest, and the transformation from aspirational dreamers to contenders to that unsmiteable coil fist collective we witnessed this season. Oh, it's remarkable to be able to watch it all again season on season. Let's be honest, it was just amazingly uplifting to watch any football this weekend, as GFOP at P Aladeo 3 tweeted a Saturday morning. I'd bite your arm off for a Brighton versus Palace 0-0 draw with zero shots on goal right now. Me too, PB. Me too, mate. I think I speak for all of us when I say we're kind of maxing out on player haircut videos and reading any one of 237 sports journalists' muse about why sports matters still. So let me update you for one second on the latest latest from the Premier League. That rumour mill continues to churn about plans to finish this season, possible start dates, the pace of fixtures, locations, timing, all of that is being mooted. There is such a snarled tangle of interest, sporting commercial, broadcast, sports science, theological and philosophical. Southampton Chief Executive Martin Simmons told local reporters there is a push to have football back, even while the rest of Britain remains confined at home, as a quote, sign that the country is coming back to normal. Oh, please God. The only thing everyone now seems to agree on about football, like the rest of sport, will happen behind closed doors when it does for the foreseeable future. One optimistic note I thought about over the weekend, because I like to be optimistic. Tottenham fans, your squad going to be back to full strength after this enforced break, in time to confront a run of games that are crucial for your club's balance sheet, aka Mourinho going to have to come up with some non-injury-related excuses when they underperform. Brace yourself and Dombalay. All right. Let's bring some joy to WGFOP. Remember, you can ask your question, chat shit get answered, call producer Jonah 646-450-9472. That's 646-450-9472, and we will answer them. Oh, Davo wanted an acronym for our awful number. GFOP Ben Ford suggested Mini Joy IPA. He says, sorry, Rog, but just wasn't an option for those last three letters. Oh, nice try, Ben. We'll say that zero, having no letters on the phone dial. It's a killer. Play that Chicago Sting. W-G-F-O-P. The ball.
1: My name's Brody Choker. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm a Manchester United fan. My question for you is, who's your favourite Premier League footballer as you grew up as a kid?
0: God love. First of all, your question flatters me because the Premier League was founded... In 1992, when I was already 73 years of age, but when I was a kid, top flight, known simply as the First Division, Everton were ultimately, yes, I crap you not, a powerhouse. They won titles, people, in the 80s. But my favourite player, when I was a kid, indeed the first man I ever loved, was Bob Latchford. Oh, a man who, before Adam Ferris Bueller or Jim McMahon, was a one in the poster, Over My Bed, from the moment he arrived at Everton. This was in the 70s. And then, the earliest sentient years of my Everton fandom. I'll admit, the club, as now, were in a bit of a rough patch most of those seasons. Cloaked in Liverpool's shadow. And the romance of the Bob Latchford 30-goal season, yes, 30-goal season, that he blasted in 1978, was in Arsene Wenger's words, like a trophy. Oh, my earliest memories of Everton. oh, Back then, the club was big on characters, low on success, and oddly, the shyest man in the squad was really the biggest hero. Latch. Latchford. A modest, humble, number nine, physically unremarkable, and by the standards of today's athletes, I think you'd say he was stocky. He had the kind of perm, which is now more visibly common on grandmothers, but to my seven-year-old self, he was like, oh, cut like a god who thundered home crosses, mostly with his head, from close range. Crosses supplied by a tricky winger, Dave Thomas, who was oh, so old school, he used to take the field with his socks rolled down to his ankles, and get this, without shin pads. That season, 1978, there was a huge race to 30 goals. It became become a real thing in English society, because in English newspaper, the Daily Express, had dangled $16,000. Yes, a $16,000 bounty, which was a huge sum. We couldn't even conceive of such money back in those days. This is economically depressed England of the 1970s. And by the last day of the season, Latch had headed, kicked and shinned in 28 goals. He'd scored them all from close range. He was a bit like DCL. Before DCL, but without the social media skills. And on the last day of the season, who came to Goodison Park? Beliegued Chelsea. It was El Blaze Eriko before there were even Blazers. And I was among tiny Rog, seven-year-old Rog, among the sellout crowd of 40,000. All of us there in hope. Not really caring about the score. We wanted a witness history. We wanted Latch. We wanted the 30. Oh, Everton though, just storming. 3-0 lead. Absolutely sensational. Shockingly though, Latch was not among the goal scorers and the game clock ticked to 70 minutes. It seemed as if his odyssey, our yearnings, his journey that he had walked, his ultra marathon of marathons and our dreams as so many Everton dreams before them would just be shattered by cruel harsh reality. But in the 72nd minute, Latch rose up to head home. His 29th goal and send pulses racing. And then defensive warhorse and club legend Mick Lyons broke through. He could have rolled a simple pass to Latch who would have had an open goal. But inexplicably the defender chose to finish the chance himself. There was a groan around Goodison. I seem to remember Mick Lyons Bizarre farcical scenes went up to the referee and begged him to rule out the goal and give a penalty for an infraction on Mick, which took place while he was shooting. The referee laughed that one off and the stadium became thick with anxiety. The seconds were ticking down. But then, with 10 minutes remaining, Everton did win a penalty. And although Latch wasn't traditionally the man to step up from the spot, he did so. His foot came back and he smashed the ball home to hit that holy 30th, send us all into heavenly raptures. Back then, Rog was about four foot two. I was seven years old, tiny, tiny, tiny. And because the crowd stood up that last 20 minutes of the game, I'm not going to lie, I saw nothing of it apart from the arses that were surrounding me. Yet the image I imagined I was seeing, the image I couldn't glimpse... It was so emotionally powerful, so intoxicating, I swear it's still etched onto my eyelids. That image though, it's not the only latch image which is seared into my memory. I told this story on one of my first ever Men in Blazers podcasts when John Oliver phoned in for a chat. We would both had a a situ very like this one. His story, also hilarious, but mine revolves around my grandfather, Sam, a remarkable man. Really, the man, the reason why I'm in America was because originally his love for the country, but he was a meat wholesaler. And through a friend of a friend of a friend down at the stockyards, Grandpa Sam had arranged for the two of us to go to Everton's training ground so I could meet my childhood heroes in the flesh. And we reported at the assigned time. It was a cruel winter day. Oh, my grandfather was a frail, well-mannered Englishman. I was a seven-year-old innocent. My adrenaline was just flowing so hard that day that the plastic Wembley football that I brought for my heroes to sign kept squeezing out from under my arm because I was gripping it so tightly. We get to Everton's training ground. A secretary greeted us at the front gate. She calmly pointed to a door we could walk through to meet the players. Just pointed to it casually. She just goes, The lads are in that room! Go on, go in there, lad! And I gripped the handle, walked in, and found myself with my grandfather in the players' locker room post-training. Now, all my heroes were there, for sure. But they were stark... Bollock. Naked. My grandfather took one step into the room, caught his first glimpse of pubic hair, bit of testicle probably, and he just aborted Mission like the grandpa in The Simpsons, just pulled a speedy U-turn right out the door we'd walked through and I was left alone. A child and his heroes. A child and his heroes left to discover that they had feet of clay. What a moment! I was slack-jawed. My body felt weak. It was a, there's vomit on this sweater already, mum's spaghetti kind of sit you. The soccer ball dropped from under my arm, just bounced awkwardly across the floor. That was the only noise I could remember. Bounce, bounce, bounce before it rolled to a stop. Everton had this chirpy, jokey Scottish midfielder, a great man, Asa Hartford, kind of guy who's like the glue of any locker room he's in. And he picked the ball up, just walked it back to me, walked up to me with his ball bag swinging away. Oh, In the winter chill, he goes, who are you here to see, lad? My Scottish accent is still crap to this day, and I must somehow have been able to get the two words out, Bob, and Latchford, out of my mouth, because somehow, and I don't know how, my hero was quickly summoned from the shower, and he was suddenly strolling towards me with a towel around his neck, his hand outstretched, naked, ...as the day we was born. I'm not gonna lie, Latch still shy, not much of a conversationalist, and I couldn't get words out. My tongue just felt like it was being sucked back towards my throat, and we didn't need to communicate, though. I wanted one thing only, his autograph. A pen was summoned from somewhere. I often wonder where Latch kept it on his person, where did that pen come from... Did he keep one where others stashed their prison shaves? I have no idea. Whatever. Somehow, he signed my ball. And as he did so, Asa Hartford thought it would be a good idea to show me how he could make his genitalia look like a seal. Proceeding to walk around the back of the locker room, making a screeching sound. Oh, oh, oh! I am a seal! I am a seal! I am a oh, Ow! I was soon out on the street. That wicked Liverpool winter rain just reviving me. My grandfather and I we drove home in silence in his Rover, and I ran straight to my room. I threw myself on the bed, and that poster of Bob Latchford stared down at me. And even as I covered my face with a pillow to block it from my line of sight, Asa Hartford's seal bark echoed in my ears, continuing to torture me until I fell to sleep. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to dream of that tonight now but I'll take it because stress dreams better than no dreams am I right next question
1: this is Justin from Knoxville Tennessee Arsenal supporter I want to know who you would get to play goalkeeper to go with the starting lineup of men in blazers up top men without hats in the middle and men at work at the back line
0: big question oh. Magical question, but wow, just thinking about men at work across the battle line makes my nipples tingle. Oh, can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Oh, attackers, you better run. You better take cover. Yeah, let the world-class shithousery commence. My first thought was to stay tightly with the men theme. Minelik Watson was the only person I could think of, the former Oakland Raider. Then I thought of it, training men by the weather girls, which actually might save more goals than Manelik Watson. But then my mind started to run through the options, try to convince myself that with that starting lineup so strong, so creative, you wouldn't need a goalkeeper. Let's start the tactical revolution, unfurl the false one like Everton have all season. But that was a idiotic line. I thought, you don't need a man to complete this team. You need something better. You need a woman. Let's be honest, with that much crap on the field, we're going to need someone really good in goal. Oh, listen there. Adriana French or Ashlyn Harris, any one of them would be magic. Oh, be like Marco Silva era at Everton signing Edwin van der Sar in his prime. Bring it on. And bring on the last question on WGFOP The Ball for today. It's from Joe in Chicago. Leicester
1: City and New York City Football Club fan, I wanted to know that in these difficult times, how you managed to stay positive, especially all these years as an Everton fan, how you managed to look on the bright side, uh, as we all need to be doing at the moment.
0: Oh, Joe. Oh, Chicago. All hail, both of you. I love everybody in that city. Stay strong. Stay safe. What a question, to be honest. I think I remain strong in the face of darkness and defeat, Joe, simply because I am an Everton fan. That's, to me, the most important thing. There are a few finer ways, and I really believe this, to train yourself for dignity amidst despair, to retain optimism in the face of shattered hope, and what my dad would call to train yourself for a lifetime of not winning. I mean, life is hard. It's always hard. No matter what you have, no matter how much you have, life is filled with challenges. There's no way of pretending it's not. And life is all about how you face those challenges. I mean, I had to work, I'm going to be honest about this, I had to work so bloody hard to make all four of my kids Everton fans. It's arguably my greatest life achievement. I was talking to my mate Jamie, my childhood friend Jamie, about this today. How proud I am. How crucial this is. As an achievement, my wife was completely bemused by my effort. Still is. Because American kids gravitate naturally towards winners. I'm not going to lie. It was hard to make them give a crap about Everton Football Club. But they are now all hooked. And it's the greatest thing I could have done for them as a parent. Because, Arsenal fans, you'll know this. You will. To be an Everton fan, Spurs fans too, is to understand, for me... The secret to being is what you get gifted as an Everton fan. Life is often tough. It will have its ups. It will have a lot of downs. Others will have far more resources than you. So much more than you, Manchester City. But the important thing is to always take the field with collective effort. To give your best. To be tenacious to support those around you. And when you do have a moment of wonder, take nothing for granted. Share the love, share the joy with all those around you. And consciously, this is the important part, savour it as it happens and make great life memories from it. Be nourished by it. Let those memories nourish you in dark times. And when you have them, dance full-throatedly with joy like you're at your own kid's wedding. That is life to me. That is most definitely the world we're living in now, Joe. A reality I was reminded of by a GFOP, Daniel Cantor, who wrote to us this week in the wake of his father's death. He said, I've been inspired by the pod and C.S. Lewis, the quote that we talked about two weeks ago on the pod. And Daniel went and wrote an op-ed about all of this in the Dallas Morning News to mark the experience of his father's passing. The piece is beautiful. We link to it. In this morning's newsletter, and I particularly love this line, when Daniel writes, The lesson here is that life is fragile, and we take so much for granted when we aren't stressed. The ways we are reaching out to each other have changed for now, and while the loneliness of this grief is amplified by social distancing, the love we receive feels stronger than ever. Oh, Daniel to that spirit to that spirit I wish you that spirit Daniel I wish all of you GFOPs that spirit most importantly for now Daniel to your father's memory may it give you strength in moments of doubt and moments of wonder to come GFOPs keep calling us with your questions 646 450 9472 until then only love WG